Hey everyone and welcome to The Soapbox. My name is Micah Davis. My name is Chris Kraft. We created The Soapbox to share new perspectives about old ideas. I'm glad you could join us. Sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Soapbox. Welcome uh, into our regular listeners. Welcome if this is your first time. I would definitely encourage you to go back and listen to some of our previous podcasts where we kind of talk about the purpose of this podcast, what sets us apart from everything else. And currently we are in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis. We're in July. I think it's July time. All yeah. time is time over the last four months has completely just become a time is now a, uh, still time is relative, right? Time is relative exactly. to how I feel about the day. But um, so, so we're currently apart from each other. We're not face to face like we would much rather be, but we, we, we really wanted to start doing this podcast for new perspectives about old ideas and regardless of all the chaos that's happened originally we really want to zoom out and make sure we talk about principles and i'm actually currently walking through a series at church called counterculture and it's kind of brought up some good discussions between mike and i so we wanted to do a podcast today but maybe the first of many that's going to be about the idea of being counterculture right and we're um for those of you again who are newer listeners we come from a judeo-christian background both mike and i do and so we're going to be coming at counterculture from that standpoint, but it's not going to be only that standpoint, right? Just like we were talking about a moment ago, there are some people that want to be contrary for contrary's sake, and they just want to be rebel for rebel's sake. So, um, so, so Micah, go ahead and start us off with the conversation. What are some of the pros? What are some of the cons? Like when you hear the term counterculture, where does your mind go? When I hear the term counterculture, I actually, my first thought, uh, I guess because I have a lot of experience with people like that is the contrarian for contrarian sake. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, like usually, you know, a lot of people, because I, I think I've seen it um, more often in religious circles and in Christian circles where people will just be like, oh, this is so countercultural, I'm in. And it's like, I don't want to just jump on bandwagons because it goes against culture. Because mm -hmm. if you're always just deciding to go against culture, you're not standing for anything. You're just standing against there what it the is. world says. And so there like, that's like what's always kind of kept me a lot more skeptical of particular, not, not even particular movements, most movements that come into the church just kind of real quick in the flash, just because we're trying to avoid the world, you know? Yes. Um, I think that it, I, I tend to see arguments like that and we'll go, okay, why is this such a problem? Right? Like, why is this something that you're deciding equates to a commandment in the Bible or equates to the way that Jesus would live? Um, if this is such a problem and, and a lot of things like that, that I'm referring to just for any listeners or whatever would be things like thinking Pokemon or Dungeons and Dragons are evil um, mm -hmm. or trying to uh, get to the point where like so, some Christians like have this thing against, and we talked about this on our podcast yesterday. They have a thing where like they think social media is like an inherent problem. And it's like, I don't like, think social like, yeah. media is not the problem, right? It's us using social media that, that right. caused the problems. Because Facebook in and of themselves aren't like in there stirring the pot, right? It's like, it, it's me who jumps on someone's post that I decide to stir the pot. And that's when the vision starts. It, it, so, yeah, um, it's, very, it's very similar. I'm not going to interrupt you too much here, but yeah. it's very similar to somebody saying the tool itself caused exactly. the problem, right? There, yeah. there, was a, there was a big thing several years, I say several years ago, it's probably been the last five years, that people were blaming SUVs for wrecks, right? Like we weren't saying a driver ran over this person. It was the Toyota 4Runner uh, ran over, right? So we're trying to blame the tool 
for the user. Right. It, it, the, yeah. These things are user errors. They're not Facebook social media. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. If I'm trying to build like a, 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 a dog house in my backyard and I hit my thumb with the hammer, the hammer didn't hit me. I hit my <laughs> Dang thumb. hammer. Right. Yeah. And so that's the thing is like, and I, I, I tend to see those movements and I'm more skeptical of a lot of them, a lot of the claims that are made by some of them, because it's like, okay, if you're going to avoid social media, why? Why is it a tool mm -hmm. to be avoided instead of a tool to be utilized for good, right? And so I think that I tend to be more questioning of anyone who says that they're countercultural mm -hmm. and um, anyone who makes a claim that's countercultural, because my first question goes to, okay, why is this such a problem? Like, what if? New Testament Christians, especially Paul, right, decided that being unphilosophical was countercultural, mm. right? When really a lot of his a lot of his books, uh, a lot of the Pauline epistles in the Bible really read like philosophical theses on what Jesus taught and on what he sees in the Old Testament scriptures, and even like almost how salvation really works into the narrative of the world being for God's glory, right? And so like Paul is making very philosophical claims when he goes through a lot of his books. What if he decided because philosophy was commonly used by Greeks? Well, I'm just you know, not going to write because that's what Greeks do. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To a really, a really like why, you know, that's when a lot of, a lot of people yep. just go, well, that sounds dumb. And it's like, well, that's kind of how we sound sometimes when we take these countercultural stances that have really nothing to do with what scripture says. It has everything right. to do with what the world does. And we're just reacting to that. And it's Correct. Like, do we and really want to be reacting against the world or do we want to be acting for the kingdom of God? You know? Yeah. And you know, you said it really well earlier too. You, you were talking about, you we're very much known for what we're against, but do we know what we're for? Yeah. Do we know what we stand for or do we just know what we stand against? And, and, and we'll just kind of back up for a minute and, and uh, make sure. And again, it's kind of sad that you have to do this in today's society, right? And give disclaimers about <laughs> things that should be blatantly obvious. We're not saying that everything in culture is right. We're not saying right. that we shouldn't be countercultural. There are right. very clear and present dangers in culture. Romans 12, 2 clearly states, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. What we are specifically saying is be countercultural for a reason. Right. Be countercultural against injustice. Be countercultural for something, not just against. Yes, there's plenty of things that we should be against, right? Mm -hmm. But don't be so far against something that you're not for anything, mm -hmm. right? So right. it's kind of sad we have to make that disclaimer, but we kind of <laughs> almost do to where somebody's going to say, well, Chris and Micah don't think we're, we're supposed to be countercultural. I'm doing this study, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm very... I'm very clear that we should be countercultural in the things that we should be, that Jesus makes black and white statements for Absolutely. and against. But we have to come back to the motives of our heart, just like Jesus did. Jesus said, it's not, you, you, you're sitting here saying, I didn't murder anybody. Did you hate someone in your heart? It all comes back to the heart. So right. just wanted to throw that out there as you keep yeah, going yeah. there. I think that's important because I think we need to recognize too, that a lot of times, uh, what we see in philosophy and a, a lot of times in Jesus study, Jesus taught in affirmations. He didn't teach very often very true. in like a con, like a, in a do not fashion. He taught a lot Correct. in a do fashion. And so very true. even, even when he's talking to the Pharisees, right. When he tells them, Hey, you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup's still dirty. That's a, that's an affirmation of you need to purify yourself from the inside, right. not just worry about how you look. 
It's not a, hey, don't purify yourself from the outside. It's, hey, purify yourself on the inside. Exactly. So exactly. Jesus taught a lot in positives instead of teaching a lot in, in negative statements. And um, I think that when, even when he teaches um, things that we shouldn't do, he teaches them in positive, in a, in a affirmatory kind of way where he says like, hey, if you hate your brother, you've murdered him in your heart. Right. right? It's like, mm-hmm. if you do this, then this happens. And that's a very like positive way to say that. Whereas he could have said, hey, if you don't hate your brother, then you haven't murdered him. Right. But instead he said yeah, the other way, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, and so yep. I think that um, when we pay attention to that, Jesus always had a reason for his being countercultural at the time. That's great. That's really right? good. And he always had a, a, um, a different path to travel rather than the one down culture that, that culture also travels down instead of just being like, well, I can't go down that path. And so you just kind of pick one that's at random because you can't walk down the same path as culture. So I'm just going to, well, there are lots of alternatives. I'll just choose one. Jesus goes, no, which, like this is the right which, path. Right. Right. And we and, see that and, so much in today's culture, so much do. in today's culture. We just see somebody yeah, grab do. something for the heck of it and go, I'm going to stand against this. And you go, yeah. Because of what? Like, do exactly. you care that much about that? Or did you just have names in a hat and just grab one and say, this is my <laughs> stance for the day. Right. Or yeah, exactly. we switch or we switch so much. We're wishy-washy about today. I'm going to really, I, okay. I'm, I'm not picking on people who do this with food. Right. But I yeah. think we see this most, most in diet and exercise in our culture yeah. today. And maybe not most, right. I'm just picking one random thing, but I see this a lot. I write right now. I'm really caring about getting my weight down because I've been looking at a lot of pictures when I was a lot skinnier, right? So, but it's really interesting how we as people will flip-flop between I am going all in, you're going to see me, I'm going to be 50 pounds down, that's great. And then you see in the next week you're eating cheesecakes. Like what just, what, what just exactly. happened to the personal injustice you felt against yourself and your fatness, right? For me, this is, this is a Chris Kraft thing, right? Like, hey, Chris, what just, I just saw you doing this and it's almost like, we're going to be counterculture in the moment going back to our last podcast because our hyper emotionalism gets really caught up in something in the moment and we make it very public to everybody instead of doing self-reflection first to figure out is the thing I'm about to say or do directionally correct for my purpose. Right. Is it going we to see that- alleviate the situation or, or work towards the positive that I want out of it instead of me just tearing down a system to create a vacuum you know almost almost like our actions should be in a productive fashion or something I right. yeah it seems kind of how... crazy that we shouldn't just destroy things because we feel like it <laughs> so 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 when we start this um we we the series that i'm at is is talking about david platt's book counterculture and he his goal of this book and i think this would be even good for us to touch on a little bit his goal of the book is to say that there are things that are currently happening in culture that are injustices according to the morality and the ethics that were set up by the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he kind of starts it off by going, there are some things that are going on that we need to take social stances on. But one of the first social stances, well, not even a social stance, one of the first stances we need to consider is do we believe the gospel? So I feel like it would be um, kind of a, kind of a uh, injustice uh, in in a sense of ourselves if we bring this up and not at least bring that idea up 
And he said, there are a lot of countercultural things in the world today, but the most countercultural is the idea of the gospel, that there was a God who is the creator of the universe that created us to be in a relationship with him. We chose another way. We chose sin. We chose to turn our back on him and live for ourselves in direct disobedience to him. And because of that, we incurred his justice, or I'm sorry, his judgment because of his justice on sin. And there was no way for us to ever come back from that, except that God had a plan to send Jesus Christ to die for our sins and therefore incur the full justice of God on sin, right? So our belief on that is the most countercultural. How dare you believe that there's a God who is in control, right? How dare that you believe that, that I shouldn't care more about myself than everything else. And how dare you think that my eternal security is based on how I feel about this guy who appeared 2000 years ago and died and supposedly rose from the dead. How dare you think that? So that is a very countercultural idea. According to Platt, I totally agree with him. Yeah. Right? I, I so, think so too. I think that there's also some interesting implications when we buy into the gospel that, uh, a lot of, um, <laughs> early modern philosophers kind of kind of struggled with and and uh, wrestled with uh, George Leibniz was one of the earlier philosophers writing along the the lines of like uh, not along the lines of as in agreeing with but along the time of like Locke um, Spinoza and what Leibniz said was uh, basically if God is good and God is all-powerful and God created the world because there was an argument of like evil and, and um, I can't remember exactly what in, in what kind of answer it was to it, but he basically argued that since God is good and all powerful and created the world, then this must be the best possible world that could have existed out of all possible worlds. Hmm. And he goes, even he, even, even himself, he goes, I don't know why this must be the best possible world because we see suffering and we see evil and we see right. disasters and we see all these things going on. He said, but, if God is those three things, right? Creator, uh, omnipotent, and all all good, and of course, you know, all wise, all knowing, and everywhere. Well, then this must be the best possible world that could have existed out of all the possible worlds that He could have made. Because if and there so, was a better one, then He would have gone with that one. Right. Exactly. Then He would have created that one. And so that's, mm-hmm. um, I think that's one pill, and th- and that's not. That's not necessarily something I believe. That's not necessarily something that I've completely wrestled with yet, but it is kind of an implication of making that first claim, right? That God is right. God is who he is. He's all powerful, all wise, all knowing and good. And he's the creator of the world. Then our first struggle with the gospel is then why is the world not good? Mm-hmm. Right? Because our first struggle is why did God let sin come into the world to ruin it in the first place? Because when God creates the world, he says it's good. And then less than 10 chapters later, he has to destroy the earth with a flood. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you've got these seeming conflicts, that's where you get some people getting hung up on kind of a surface level understanding of what the gospel is claiming, right? Right, exactly. And then, and then you have to come up with kind of more explanations. Okay, well, why has this happened? And I think that that's a lot of what the New Testament does. I think that's a lot of like what, what uh, Hebrews does um, in talking about like, well, um, you know, God has, has created man for his glory, right? And everything is done for God's glory that he may be proclaimed among, among all creation, right? Not right. just among mankind, but because mankind would be some kind of... Um, 
demonstration of God's power and love um, and his majesty all, all kind of at once. And so there are hard implications to handle when you're dealing in today's culture of, well, there's suffering in the world. It's a bad world. And it's like, I, I don't think necessarily that has to bear completely out. Right. Right. Because, because I like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't look at my, at, 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 um, my best friend. Right. And say, uh, you have a gambling addiction, so you're a horrible person. Right. Right. There's something wrong with you, but that doesn't make you bad in totality. Correct. Which is very hard for us to tie those two together. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very hard because we want answers, right? Yeah. It's very hard for us to ask open-ended questions and allow them to be open and allow there right. to be any semblance of mystery. We need closed-ended questions to complete the process, to complete the thought. Oh yeah. Cause we have like the scientific mind in modern day, right? Like we want, we, we act as if like humans have always thought in this scientific manner of like, if there's yeah. a question, I'm going to answer it. And it's like science is, is relatively new to human beings, you know? Um, a few yeah. hundred years of like really actually trying to understand the world as it is instead of just kind of messing with stuff and seeing what happens. Right. Exactly. And so exactly. Um, we and so even if we go back to like more of the beginnings of science, it, it, you know, you got to go all the way back to uh, Arabic culture. And I, I think a couple thousand years, maybe, and that's relatively new, even if we're talking about, you know, a, a, a young human civilization. Right. Um, and so we always act like, oh, we've always thought like scientifically. And it's like, no, like humans have always had close. open answers to questions. We've always been yep. asking, you know, what's the, what's the meaning of life? Well, what am I doing here? What made me? What put me here? And um, I think that we get caught up nowadays trying to give solid answers to every question we ask because we're so used to having some answers for some questions that we've asked. Yes, exactly. Really, Really, if we had a scientific mind, right, then we would think more like a scientist where every answer brings up a million more questions. That's so true. Because when we that discovered like so the true. atom, a million more questions were formed, right? What's an atom made of? What holds that mm -hmm. together? How small is that? Right? Yep. And so I think that's part of the thing for us today that's so hard and, and makes the gospel feel very countercultural is the gospel has a lot of open-ended questions right? If God is good and all powerful, why doesn't he just stop bad things from happening on the planet? Mm -hmm. Why doesn't he just, why didn't he just stop Adam and Eve from sinning? Right. There's a lot of open-ended questions that we don't get to know until we ask God. Right. So, yep. so when it, that, that's yeah. why we struggle so much with it and why it's so countercultural. So re really the idea of being counterculture in the first place um, is a philosophical idea because, yeah. and it requires do you think it's safe to say this? Do you think it's safe to say that to be countercultural requires a purpose and requires open-mindedness? Is that fair to say those two things? I think to be, to be the countercultural we're talking about. Yeah. You have to, to be, have to, have, to be purposefully to, countercultural. Yeah. yeah. Cause okay. if you want to, if you want to take counter, it's kind of like um, the problem is here. I don't want to get into an equivocation where you and I say counterculture and people take it to mean it itself literally good point literally good point. against culture you know yeah i don't want people right. to say like oh well since you're just against culture then just being against culture requires these two it's like no to be a good the good kind of countercultural, you need to have a reason for it right mm -hmm. uh, peter writes 
always be prepared to give a reason for the faith that you, for, for the hope that you have. And so right. if we're going to give a reason for the hope that we have, we need to give a reason for the things that we do too. Correct. Um, and then uh, you also have to be um, open-minded in the sense that, well, you got to be willing to ask the questions on whether what you think is countercultural is truly usefully countercultural. Cause I can be counter, I can be countercultural in a lot of useless ways, right? I can be countercultural in that. Um, I don't read. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can be countercultural in the sense that, Oh, well, smart people read. And so I'm not going to do that because that's, that's cult, That's culturally what's, and, and I just don't want to mm -hmm. do that. Or I can be countercultural in that I don't touch video games because they're, they're bad because that's what culture does. But are the, either of those things super useful in and of themselves? Not really. Now, if you have a problem with either of those things and you're addicted to whatever, you know, the entertainment side of it, then maybe you need to take a step back. But, just but then that's to a totally different thing, right? Right. Then, but to deny yourself those things just because culture does it, mm -hmm. you get into some swampy areas, right? Yes. Because if you don't read, you don't know the Bible. Um, right. And exactly. so it makes, it, it makes being a Christian harder sometimes when we decide like, I'm going to be against culture. And then culture says something like, um, Hey, it's wrong for us to have, and I'm you know going to toss a probably offensive statement to most people out there, but it's wrong for us to have, um, uh, Oh my gosh, I lost a word it's wrong <laughs> for us to have, uh, people who commit sexual assault as the presidency as a Christian, should I say, no, that's, that's, that's fine because it's countercultural. Right. Like, no, you know, I don't right. want, I don't want people to commit sexual assault getting away with it. Right. But that it's, would be countercultural right now if we did. Very, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> there, and, 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 and then the other interesting point is that everything culture does is not wrong. Culture says murder is wrong, right? Yeah, exactly. In general, culture says murder is wrong. Should we be counterculture and say murder is right? Yeah. Right. So that like it, it's not it, it's not the point that culture has everything wrong. It's the fact that the things that culture have accepted that are against what we see as morality and ethics, we need to take a stand against. And the one thing that I, that I want to throw in, too, is being countercultural in a mindset is not enough. And this is where a lot of people and I love what you've talked about a lot recently is if you're not going to get your hands dirty, quit, quit screaming, yeah. like quit, quit, quit all your stuff that you're doing, trying to be loud on social media. If you're not going to make a true difference, right? And and that's where I do appreciate Platt's book, even though it, everything in his book that he says maybe maybe you are maybe we disagree a little. It, it's at certain parts, right? But yeah. to be honest, I don't know that I've read any book. It's gonna. I was just about to say that at books that I really respect the author, I still don't agree with. You're not. Yeah. Here's the thing: if you do agree with everything, one of the one of two things: either you you've turned your brain off and you need to turn your brain yeah. back on when you read it. Or number two, you're not reading to learn. You're reading to get agreement with what you already think, right? Or you wrote the so book it, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and see, we could even go a different direction there. I still think you should disagree with things because you're growing every day. So <laughs> that's, what, that's actually something, yeah. just funny aside, that's what uh, Mark Driscoll, one pastor that I love to read his books and, and listen to his sermons, he was talking because some people come up to him all the time and are like, well, I don't agree with you, what you said here, uh, you know, five years ago or whatever on a sermon. He's like, good, I don't either. <laughs> He's like, I, it's been five years. Like, I, I haven't believed that since I made that sermon. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I changed my mindset uh, 
six months yeah. after that, right? Well, the, so know, the I, hallmark of a rational mind is the ability to change. So, I mean, if, if, if you have Which is a whole other podcast. Maybe you're, not, maybe you're not growing. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. So when, it, so when it really comes down to counterculture, I really wanted to say counterculture demands action. Yeah. For you to be truly counterculture the way that Jesus did, the way that any great leaders in the world have, no great leaders have statues built. Um, there's two great statements I love. You'll never see a statue erected to a critic is one statement that I love. And because critic for critic's sake, never do anything. They just want to look at somebody who's accomplishing something and say why what they're doing is wrong. Uh, and that's how we can be with being counterculture sometimes, right? We're just going to scream at something, but we're not actually going to make a real change. But if you're going to make any, anybody who's made a real change in the world, it's been the action they took. Nobody, nobody became a thought leader and just, and never did anything behind it, right? You have thought leaders out there today and they usually aren't thought leaders for long. There needs to be something applicable in their lives. You show me somebody who knows all the right answers, who's made no significant changes in their lives, and I'll show you somebody who doesn't have a true character. Yeah. Because true character is dream, struggles, victory. It's somebody who has a purpose and a direction they're going in life. They walk through a struggle of doing the thing or challenging the thing that needs challenging. Then eventually they achieve success and whatever success is for them, Right. The definition of success is different for every person. So for you to really live the life that you truly feel that you're supposed to live, it's going to take a lot of action. It's going to take perspiration. It's going to take sweat. It's going to take work ethic. So please, as we go through some of these podcasts on, maybe it's going to be multiple, maybe it's just going to be a couple on counterculture. I'm going to challenge you. It's going to take action. So yeah. uh, know what you're countering. And then take realistic action towards what you're countering. And that's really the point of Platt's book is it's time to stop screaming from the sidelines. It's time to get into the game and make real change in the world. So anything else you want to say before we end this, Michael? Yeah, I just want to say that uh, I think that it's always important when you start trying to be countercultural that you always go back to an affirmative way, right? So for me, I know one of the chapters in the book, because we talked about it yesterday briefly, what, uh, is on abortion, right? I don't want mm -hmm. to be just against abortion, right? I want to be for life, right? The pro-life movement needs to be for people's lives, right? Not just making sure that people make it out of the womb, but for good. taking care of each other and making sure that we have. So I think that being for something and for That's an affirmative great. statement is much better than being con something or anti something because then That's you're not fantastic. really, you're not, because what tends to happen, just real briefly, what tends to happen if we decide to just, just tear down a structure is we create some kind of void there and a vacuum always has to be filled by something. Mm. If we don't decide to fill it, then something else that is cultural is going to fill it, in which case we just have another system to tear down. Because we can't yep. figure out what we want to be for, what we want to be about. That's fantastic. And so um, I have, I, I take a lot of issue with Christians who will decide that they're anti something really more than they're pro something. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And, and I think that we're going to be di diving into some of these as we go, because I do, just like we've talked about before, I do think the reasons that we have so many people that are obsessed with politics and sports and all these things is because they want to be anti so many things and they don't know what they're for. So I want every one of our listeners, if you respect Mike or I at all, please take some thought time 
to think through what are you truly about and don't let it be what you're against. What are you for? What, what if it doesn't exist or what if it, if it goes away or what if the injustice never gets taken care of, can you not stand? What can you not live without? Then act. Right. Then act. I love, I love that, Micah. Great job. And uh, this, this was a good podcast. And I hope you took yeah. away something, something from it. And let me, let me just tell you what we tell you every single time is the world does not need another artificial copy. They have plenty of those. The world needs an original you. Just stand on your soapbox and make real changes in the world. Don't just be counterculture. Be for something in your life. We'll see you next time. <laughs>